Good morning. Hello. Matt, my co-host. That's me. That's it's the retrospective on the Waffle Press. There's no, no there's no real like like series we're attacking this to. I think this is the first one we've done in a while without like a series. We always try to do something around Halloween, is the thing. So it's Halloween time. Yeah, so naturally we're talking about Eli Roth's Green Inferno. Yep. That's what it says on the episode title. Yeah. Did you see that movie? Um, I saw part of it. Yeah, and me too. It's it was one of dog shit. It was one of those where I was like, I don't need this. Eli like, Roth should be arrested. Eli Roth's a weird dude. He is a weird dude. You should like, Google <laughs> Eli Roth sometime if you're yeah. curious about it. Yeah, anyways, so, something's up with that. So, guy. So, something's definitely up. Something's been up, and people know what's up. But what else is up is that wasn't he just talk- on uh, Tarantino's podcast? Oh, fucking of course, of course. No, you know what? Here we're here to talk about Creep Show. We're celebrating Halloween with a lot of horror movie stuff, uh, and I love Halloween and I love horror movie conversations. And I'll take any excuse to hear people talk about Evil Dead Two, for example. And I'm mm-hmm. looking up Evil Dead Two interviews and shit like that on YouTube like a while back, and every fucking first result is like from Eli Roth's shitty fucking web series where he talks to other people about stuff yeah the, well, he, he no it was doing most of the talking i think amc did it i think it's an amc joint the Is Eli it? Roth's history of horror oh, i fucking i hate interviews where the interviewee talks as much as the or the, the interviewer talks as much as the interviewee it's well, yeah, like, it's, that's not what i'm there for man because it's like eli ross history of horror and then i think they also did james cameron's history of science fiction which is James what Cameron a fucking drop around. off from James Cameron? <laughs> oh my god! Because James, I saw the James Cameron one. They were available on YouTube for a period of time. Yeah, they were, uh, <laughs> and they were very fascinating and good and well made. Yeah, they were solid. Um, and you can actually any could actually rope people in who don't normally give interviews in those type of things, like Steven Spielberg. Yep. So yep. Um, I don't know if Eli Roth has that clout. He clearly has clout with Tarantino for whatever reason. Um, which. The weird, like the, the the modern directors that Tarantino like really admires, like never makes sense to me. Like, you know, say what you will about Tarantino, he does act. He tends to actually have good taste in movies, mm-hmm. but like, it's like he's he's he seems to be Eli Roth's biggest fan. He he loves uh, what's his fuck who did the Joker, and was also like oh yeah yeah the biggest champion of David O. Russell for a while. Mm-hmm. um you know hopefully that's gone now but um <laughs> yeah but he was also like people are gonna be talking about david o russell movies like three decades from now and it's like no one's talking about david o russell movies no no everyone's talking about amsterdam because it bombed horrifically which is mm-hmm. good news yeah although that became one of those things where like people don't want artsy shit like this and it's like no the movie's just terrible like yeah also the trailer looked like the worst thing ever like (laughs) i'll be honest it was one that was one of those trailers where i was like this this looks like it's taking some big swings and it's got a hell of a cast right i remember seeing Mm -hmm. that trailer and i was like i mean this could be so oh it's david o russell yeah (laughs) it was one of those (laughs) 
But um, can I say some one thing uh, positive about Eli Roth that I actually kind of enjoyed once? Uh, the house with the clock in its walls? Like um, no, that. there's that. That was cute. But uh, Spielberg produced, by the way. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? There's the there was that uh, we talked we've talked about the Bravo hundred scariest movie moments before on this podcast. Yes. Uh, which creep show is on the list, by the way. Oh uh, boy, is it? And <laughs> I know uh, exactly what part it is. Yes. Um, so creep show is on the list, but they, they interview a lot of people in it, and one of those people is Eli Roth. And it's like Eli Roth off of just uh, uh, whatever the cabin fever, right? Like that's yeah, the only movie yeah. he's made up to that point. And I remember watching it and like, I know something was like, I'd watch the whole thing some years and be like, Eli Roth looks different in some of these. Like, why is he? And suddenly it hit me. He talked so much about horror movies with these people. <laughs> it took two separate recordings <laughs> to get in everything he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only guy like that. You watch that. Everyone else clearly like they gave a day to the thing. And just talked. He clearly came back like twice. <laughs> wow, this guy loves horror movies. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, no, no. Like, what there was is? That, well, there, like, there was. I just want to say there was that thing recently where they were like, I forget what fucking franchise it was, but they're like, oh, X Men, X Men ninety seven reboot. The oh M-93. yeah, oh yeah. We're only like, hiring you, fans. Yeah, you have so. to love. You have to be a fan of it. To work on it i'm like yeah i have seen other stuff made by fans it's it doesn't always work out it doesn't mean you shouldn't love something it doesn't mean you have to hate something to work on it yeah but you know talent isn't equally parsed out and and people who work hard mm. for it it doesn't matter how hard yeah. how, how big a fan you are if you if you're not right for the job that's all yeah there should be no absolutes in that kind of thing yeah it's like you yeah. want talent you want someone who has a good grasp of story <laughs> Mm-hmm. especially if it's going to be an animated series like where you have to get in get out in like 30 minutes like <laughs> yeah. but if you're just going to do guys who are just going to do tons of fans is that a response to the fact that kevin smith did the he-man cartoon uh, maybe i don't know but i didn't i didn't see his version of the he-man but like cartoon. i know it like upset people Oh yeah, because like he he man wasn't like in a lot of it or whatever. Well, I and... think without I don't know because I haven't seen it, but I think part of what they did was He Man dies like episode one of that show, and it become it, it becomes like the first half of that show is like what would happen if Skeletor actually won, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess people were upset about that, and then He Man comes back in the second half, but I guess fans were not appreciative of that, which seems like the such a simple gamble to take yeah it's not that big of a swing it's 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 a pretty common like story dark knight rises Mm -hmm. is is that yeah is it's that (laughs) like Mm -hmm. uh i don't know nerds don't what don't know what they want why would someone to bring back to eli roth why would someone want to bring back the cannibal film like you know, what? I actually don't know. I don't even have the snarky comment about that. I, I don't like know. That's that's a weird genre, honestly. Like it's like that's a that's a genre that's like the whole excuse is like it's an excuse to show naked women. It's an excuse. Oh to show wait, no, lot. you got it. It's an excuse to show a lot of gore, and it's an excuse to uh, be racist sometimes. Because a lot you of those it. are very racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but. 
I just it that's it is such a specific genre, you know, mm-hmm. like it is, and it only exists it like existed in that weird, like it's like a it's such a product of that grindhouse era of like go to this theater because you're gonna see something really fucking insane, right? Mm-hmm. And then like the, they die out basically when grindhouse theaters die, right? Like yeah. they just immediately die in the mid eighties. And I just don't like, you know, Bone Tomahawk, I guess, falls under a cannibal film, but that's also not that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like existential exploitation. It's, it's also a wet, it's a Western, you know, like I, when I watched that movie, I would call it more like a horror Western than a cannibal film. Yeah. It's, it's a proper weird Western. Yeah. And also which is a call- genre I really love and doesn't get enough play, frankly. Yeah. And I just, it seems like, I guess because they all had that reputation of like they would be like banned in the UK and shit like that. Like, and like Cannibal Holocaust is a whole thing of like they had to make one of the actresses appear in court to prove she was still alive. Cause like that was, you know, that's the other thing is that like the violence was so extreme in those movies. You watch them and you go, like, did I just watch someone actually get murdered? Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, you really don't know in the 70s. You can't go to Wikipedia, right? Yeah. And if there's one thing, that green inferno did not invoke it was that like there's no point when you're watching green inferno that you think oh this might be actually real in some capacity Mm -hmm. you know where like i i don't i just that's just a weird one to me yeah what a a weird a weird sub sub genre of films and and a weird opening to this episode about george romero and stephen Mm -hmm. king's creep show yeah well, yeah, you know, and you, you know what didn't appear on Bravo's Scariest Movie Moments? A cannibal film. There's not a single one of those movies on there. Oh, okay. Good. Um, I just, I, you know, I'm just baffled by that. It's, I, it's one of those, I guess, you had to be there genres. Yeah, maybe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, I finally saw Creepshow after how many years of doing this show when you told me to watch Creepshow? Yeah, it was a while back, actually. Yeah, uh, um, it's it's like the one George, one or two George Romero films I haven't seen. Mm. Uh, now I got only a couple left. Which ones haven't you seen at this point? Let me let me take a gander. I mean, he's got like you know he's got like shit from like the early seventies that sometimes people don't see. Yeah, um, that, I mean, he just like got one release like recently, right? Well, yeah, the amusement uh, park. the amusement park, which I haven't seen yet, which is really really good, really upsetting. Oh, good, um, good. It's good, 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 it. Good. Well, it's a. Uh, it was a like PSA film, right? Yeah. Like he yeah. was commissioned to do something by the Lutheran Society of Western Pennsylvania um, to make something about like elder abuse, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, he made like this like horrible existential psychological horror film, like so. Uh, and like then there's stuff like Martin. And I believe, like, also Season of the Witch, which can just sometimes be difficult to get a hold of. Yes, I have seen Martin because mm. uh, it was uh, uploaded to YouTube at one point, and I was like, "Well, I gotta watch it now." Yeah, same. I had Martin. That was I, that was probably how I watched Martin too, because it was just there once. Yeah, and yeah. Some blog probably shared it. That was like, watch it because it's not going to be there long. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen. There's always Vanilla, Season of the Witch, <laughs> Jukes on the Loose. <laughs> The O.J. Simpson uh, documentary. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. I forgot he did the O.J. documentary. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, that makes sense. 
<laughs> um, OJ Simpson keeps getting play in the retrospective, and I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, hey, he was important. Yeah. He, uh, he uh, one of the all-time greats. <laughs> and, and then he never did anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, the other two, I, I haven't seen The Dark Half or Two Evil Eyes. Mm-hmm. I've seen The Dark Half. Um, I have not seen Two Evil Eyes either. I probably should. That's probably like one of the last like Argento things that was actually good. Oh, Argento worked with him on it? Yeah, it's Two Evil Eyes. So it's uh, Argento and Romero, which would make it four Evil Eyes, but it's called Two Evil Eyes to signify that it's two directors. Well, maybe it's easier to say Two Evil Eyes in two different perspectives. Yeah. I guess. Like two, two different perspectives doesn't really roll off the tongue the way Two Evil Eyes does, you know? Yeah. When That's like Ar- a classic like horror story name. When does Argento go off the cliff? Probably the 90s or 80s. Yeah. No, no, 90s, 90s. Because 80s, he's still fucking rocking shit. Well, yeah, with, yeah. Like Inferno, Phenomena. Yeah, he's got a great run in the 80s specifically. Oh, and have you seen a, a Tenebrae? T- how do you pronounce that? T- uh, ten- I, have, I have no idea. But, Tenebrae. Uh, I'll, let, I'll let you take that. I'll let you take that bullet. Yeah, yeah, just fucking oh, opera. You yeah, seen opera? Opera rules, but like it's like I haven't seen anything post nineties. Like, uh, I tried to watch Giallo one time because I was like, oh, he made a movie literally called Giallo. It's got to be good. <laughs> and then that was my first realization that some people fall off at a certain point. Well, I see. I I I have seen his Phantom of the Opera, which was terrible. Okay, um, that was pretty bad. I, I do want to see his Dracula 3D. I know it's supposed to be atrocious, mm-hmm. but it's got Rucker Hauer in it. And I like <laughs> Rucker Hauer. Rucker Hauer was always like interesting to watch. That means nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like his performances in like everything. I think I forgot, he was one of the most interesting actors to watch. I forgot Rucker Hauer died. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like just uh, recently. Yeah. He was supposed to be really. Uh, difficult to work with oh well you know what are you gonna some lose some was it the let oh my god he's one of jesus christ he replaced nimoy as the voice of zenart i can't even know i don't know how to pronounce the fucking guy's name the villain of kingdom hearts zayanort yeah zayanort that's how that's pronounced yeah uh I don't know, that's pretty easy to remember. So Leonard Nimoy played him, and then Leonard Nimoy died, and then how uh, Rucker Hauer played him, and now he's dead. Now Christopher Lloyd's playing him. So that's no like, fucking way. Yeah, that's what it says. Oh, R.I.P. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd's like ninety though, right? Or he's eighty-four. He's, he's fucking old. But he's, he's been, but he's been old for like fifty years. Well, that's the thing is that we forget Back to the Future. He's playing an old guy. Like, yeah. That's what fucked up everyone. Like they mm-hmm. made him look older in Back to the Future, so we would think like, oh, he's must—he's clearly an old guy. That's happening. Mm-hmm. That's like uh, what's his name, Vexo Sidow in uh, The Exorcist, <laughs> where it's like they made him look like an old guy, and so he just played old guys for like his whole career. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then like even in Force Awakens, he just looks like he did in The Exorcist. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, same dude. <laughs> that still might be one of the funniest. This is why I just like. Don't let fan theories get to you because, like, it really doesn't matter. But, like, they were keeping Max von Sydow, like, 
they didn't release a goddamn thing about him before that movie came out, but he was one of the first cast members announced. Do you remember? I do. And I was just like, wow, who the fuck is he going to play? And then he just dies. Like, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, you, you can't get angry about that, I guess, but like, I, it's more funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about Creep Show. Yeah. Let's actually talk about the movie. Yeah. Um, what's your history with George Romero? I'm going to ask um, the questions this time. Well, Romero, um, I saw Night of the Living Dead on a, uh, oh God, what was it called? Um, was it QuickTime? Was that what it used to be called? The video file thing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I watched Night of the Living Dead as a QuickTime video file on my computer in like the early 2000s. Oh, I, I still have QuickTime because I have Apple and I guess they still work with QuickTime. The oh, one. yeah, yeah. You know what? I do too. I just have never used it. Like, okay. Yeah, I don't remember the last time I used it either. I did find out recently that they took down the, uh, the original Blair Witch Project website. Boo. Uh, yeah, which who the fuck made that decision? Um, but that used to be they used to still have QuickTime video files to watch on it when he went back like all the way up until like three years ago they still did it so um, that's kind of crazy when you think about it um, so like I saw that and it was that movie yeah, that where my dad like really hyped that one up as being like they did not want like this movie got banned like that was his version of it like they basically banned the movie because of how horrifying it was and it is a pretty intense movie even for an old black and white goofy monster movie mm-hmm. right it was actually i got it as a christmas gift on vhs when i was like eight wow I got, yeah which is a classic my dad wanted to own it so he got it for me as a gift <laughs> <laughs> which uh our family does sometimes um i saw dawn of the dead independently and it got it from blockbuster and it was like the the longer director's cut version i believe mm-hmm. which and it came on two vhs tapes which like was rare back then for blockbuster to give you two vhs tapes mm-hmm. um and then more importantly though uh creep show was one of those movies that my dad like i, I had to have been eight again i just came home it was like around halloween time and my dad was like i just got creep show we're gonna watch it and he just sat me down to watch it and it fucking freaked me out. And uh, it was great though. So um, it's listed as a horror comedy, which I guess it is, but it, um, yeah, this might freak me out as a child. Really? Okay. Yeah. It, I wasn't, I, I guess if I was younger, maybe, because hmm. like to go back a little bit, I've talked about the Dead Trilogy uh, like a bunch of times on, on various hmm. versions of this podcast, but like I, I've, I love them. Yeah. Everyone loves them, rightfully so. Night of the Living Dead really made an impact on me. Like it makes an impact on yeah. everyone, but like the images were like really scary to me. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, it's it, almost like a surreal film when you watch it. Like yeah, you know, he's inspired by stuff like Carnival of the Dead. What was the Carnival, uh, Carnival of Souls? Of Souls Excuse yeah. me, Carnival of Souls. It's like an industrial film, like basically with yeah. Like, but uh yeah, uh, a movie that I also love and would endorse wholly. Um hmm. And you could just totally see it. And uh, but like even like the, the final image of Ben getting shot, spoiler alert for Night of the Living Dead, if you haven't fucking seen it. Mm. Uh, the Ben getting shot in the head and then getting just tossed in with the pile of, of rotting corpses to be set on fire. Like that, like just fucked me up. Yeah. Like, ever. <laughs> like 
that that really like i think that was one of the the movie moments that really like changed me mm. you know um and then after that i, I kind of hear about his other stuff i never really watch it until i'm older but the george romero was like such a big like part of my movie upbringing through that and then the crazies i really liked the crazies even though i was like this is fucking like <laughs> i didn't watch stuff like that that was pretty that was pretty rough <laughs> you yeah. know it's a pretty uh, dark one too like it's yeah. a pretty dark fucking movie yeah and somehow i just missed his his fun romp creep show yeah i don't know why that was the one you were skipping over i don't know but either. I, I do think it also it's one that uh, maybe until recently it was kind of harder to get a hold of you know mm-hmm. um my i didn't own it i owned a vhs for the longest time and i didn't own a dvd copy until way later and the only copy i could get was one of those ones like those old dvd cases where it was like like what was it like it was like cardboard basically like it was just like you snap it open oh yeah yeah like that and i that was i think the only version out for a while i'm sure shout factory has done a new version hmm. at this point because i think the rights are really weird um because you know, there's creep show too which romero produced and like kind of wrote on you know mm-hmm. um and then there was a creep show three that apparently has nothing really to do with creep show other than it's horror anthology. Mm, oh, they just they just took the name. And yeah, someone like, owns the it. name and now Shudder owns it because Shudder is doing the uh creep show series. Right, 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 um, right. Where they finally did adaptations of like Grey Matter and Survivor Type, which are two of the like more famous Stephen King short stories. Mm-hmm. Um Although I don't think they were both the adaptations were both very uh, fine, I will say. Mm. It's one of those where like people have been waiting because I think Night Shift, I think they're both from Night Shift, which was published in like the late 70s. And people have been waiting forever to be like, oh, but one day someone's going to do Grey Matter as a story. It'll be amazing. And then it finally comes out. It was like, yeah, it was all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the other thing is that this is written by, this is, written by Stephen King essentially it's based on a bunch of his short stories of most of which I don't think have ever been collected uh I think like like the weeds one was put, published in a magazine and then never collected again <laughs> and this is basically all the versions in here are like the definitive versions of these stories which is so it's strange you just you think Stephen King would want to make a buck somewhere but um uh, Although he doesn't talk about Creepshow much. That's strange. This yeah. is like easily, I think, one of the best movies he's been involved with. Yeah, yeah. It's... Like no disrespect to the legend, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there's not a lot of competition. Not you know a what lot. I mean? And for a while I was like, did he have a falling out for Mero? But then I remembered he has a voice cameo in Diary of the Dead. Mm-hmm. He's one of like the talking heads. He's some preacher on the radio i just remember being like get down on your fucking knees and pray like he's like yelling shit like that over yeah. the radio do you okay here here's not completely unrelated to creep show uh do you like those last two dead movies um i didn't like diary that much uh i thought survival was kind of interesting yeah uh, I, I think formally diary is interesting the 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 story content less so and the performances are not very good yeah the and again i'm using story content in its proper terminology uh, but it felt like romero was like 
he he wanted to get another movie funded and it's like we'll fund a zombie movie and we'll fund a found footage movie you know like it feels yeah. like he was kind of put in that box a little bit yeah but i i think like again like formally i think it's it's very interesting not so much the actual like the happenings inside of it and i i agree with you in survival i think survival is a more interesting like piece as a whole yeah that one just felt like maybe he was allowed to kind of do more of what he wanted i diary did that felt like him kind of put into a box that like not that he was against it, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not his, it wouldn't have been his choice. Yeah. I think, he, he wouldn't have chosen it. And then like, he doesn't totally know what to do with it. Um, and he does all right. I, I, it's, it's the last three dead movies are nowhere near as bad as what people say. No. You know? And like, I, I think land of the dead is like just a notch below the, the original three. Yeah. There like, is those that- are five stars land is like four four and a half stars yeah i think there's just shifts in how it's funny because uh people mock land of the dead for being like too like overtly political you know like they're not even saying like it's bad that his movies are it's just like they feel like it's too on the nose but i feel like he's on the nose about some stuff but there's a lot more stuff about like the iraq war in that movie that people don't talk about as much you know and not just dennis hopper playing george bush yeah it's not it's not just that like it's 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 weird. also i think he he i think romero ended up winning though because a, a big thing people mock about this like why are people still why do people still care about money in the post-apocalypse like why are mm-hmm. rich people mm-hmm. still dressing up and it's like looking out my window like, <laughs> like, well, that's, yeah we're in the middle of a fucking global pandemic and people are still like but i can't go to my summer house like <laughs> fucking yeah you fucking called him man yeah you did calling it since 69 yeah yeah but you know <sighs> romero never got his due oh no like, uh, you know, yeah like land of that was kind of supposed to be that you know Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of fucked up the uh, the release of it because I think the story with that is that it was supposed to come out around like Halloween time, and then because Dawn of the Dead did so well, they are like Land of the Dead is clearly a summer blockbuster now. Oh, uh... up to summer, and it made money, but it, it probably would have done better at Halloween time. Yeah, but well, I, that's the only Romero I've ever seen in the theater. Yeah, the same. I mean. Yeah. He didn't get, they didn't get that big of a release, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then he kind of just, he's in the wilderness for a few years um, in like the nineties, you know, he does, there's a huge gap between dark half and the movie bruiser, which like he had to make in like France, I believe, or like had to get like French financing for it. And then like, then there's even like a five-year gap between that and land of the dead. He was, he really got fucked. Like, yeah. He's one where, and he still had it, and it was ridiculous that it didn't happen. Um, you should have, should have done. He should have been the Resident Evil guy. I know, I know. Um, and so he gave it to your boy, Paul W S A. Hey, hey, look, I, I've gone on record defending most of those movies, and I, I enjoy them. It is George Romero's movie. Mm-hmm. It is so clearly George Romero's thing. To the point where even like the new uh, welcome to raccoon city one a movie i did not hate <laughs> like it's very clearly like oh yeah i love john carpenter movies return of the living dead and the crazies that's what we're doing this time and it's like yeah i know because we all like deep down in our bodies and souls understand it should have been george romero's movie yeah. like <laughs> we all know it 
So that, yeah, that is one of those like I would go back in time and change that. Like, mm-hmm. what happened there? Why did the studio just go like, no? I don't know. I I, I think uh, the price tag. It would have been a bigger budget movie than he worked with, and then it would have been more expensive than Paul W S Anderson's because Paul W S Anderson does like a lot wrong, including maybe getting. But he's very good at danger. He's very good at being a studio yes man who works cheap. Yeah, he, um, he works very cheap um, and has no vision of his own. So he I just, disagree he with say, that. I don't he think just, he he. I don't think he has the facilities and the know how to like successfully achieve it all the time. But I do think he's got ideas and like a vision. Uh, I it's weird. I know he's got like, a very... vision in the sense that he does have two eyes. <laughs> no, um, I I think he and he's, he's got ideas in that he loves money. <laughs> no, I mean that too. And he loves his wife. Uh, yeah, yeah. But wife like, guy, whatever. Yeah, wife guy. People like wife guys now. That hasn't backfired on anyone whatsoever. Uh, but like, I don't know. I, I I'm going to bathroom in the George Romero episode, and that feels wrong. So I'm just gonna stop. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> well, he did. He did get someone killed allegedly. So, um, did, oh, that person. I thought the person just lost a limb. Did someone die? Either way, bad. Both are bad. <laughs> like, yeah, neither one is necessarily good. So. Yeah, yeah. What were you saying about your best friend, Paul W. S. Anderson? <laughs> I was saying it doesn't feel right to praise him on the George Romero episode. Yeah, because George Romero deserves. But hey, praise. hey, you, you know, you got to shout out your boy, I guess. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I understand. I wouldn't defend a person like that, frankly. No, (laughs) but I guess someone has to. Anyways, uh, I don't know. George Romero, (laughs) the fucking goat. So, Um, what finally got you to fucking watch Creep Show? You fuck. I've, I've last year I didn't really engage with uh spooky season as much as I wanted to and this year I was like you know what? I'm gonna fucking do it so I I went as far as like double featuring uh smile and barbarian two movies I greatly enjoyed and I believe I brought up on one of the other retrospectives we did um and I, I just been devouring as much stuff as I possibly could going back to old favorites and I was like you know what I've never seen creep show I still haven't seen creep show I should do that and then I did and the moment it ended basically I was like we got to do creep show so the fact that I've been telling you to watch it for fucking years didn't factor into this at all you know it did but no it didn't don't lie to me it it did (laughs) it did because I heard the Macaringa voice in the back of my head watch it you fucking idiot and then I I watched it no that was just me yelling at you on the podcast maybe maybe uh, i also rewatched scream 3 casually and i was like you know what in light of some other recent releases this is kind of like citizen kane yeah no we're not we're not doing that we're not doing yeah. <laughs> I, I get that scream 5 wasn't good i'm in agreement but that doesn't mean we're gonna fucking bring scream 3 back no no scream 3 is interesting but creep it show is, hey, it is, is interesting. more interesting today uh, yes sure uh what is how, how do we do this do we, do we nope. break down each one do we do we let's, let's just go in order i guess all um, right we gotta talk about the prologue first yeah yeah the book Which, ending here's what's great about this movie why it's perfect for this time of year. this movie opens with a pumpkin it does open with i did not know that i did <laughs> yeah. not 
know it was as seasonal as that and i doesn't was like that, wow this is kind of perfect doesn't that just make you so happy like when you it put a movie on for does. halloween time and there's actual halloween stuff in the movie yes it's just like a little pumpkin and they're, yeah, like doing, like, they're doing the dramatic zoom in like like every cut it's suddenly closer yeah it's fuck. pretty great it's great uh, I, I was unaware of, of that little addition. Uh, I mean, the production design throughout this entire thing for each story is is fantastic. Yeah, I think this it might is. be one of the few Romero films. Like, there are a couple, but this one really seems like it had a budget, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, $8, $8 million, million for the time. Which is pretty good for 82. Yeah. Um, for a movie like this. Like, yeah. It costs more than Escape from New York. Yes. It's um, kind of fucking crazy. Yeah. You think it costs more than every Romero film before this combined? Maybe. That seems like it's possible. Yeah. Like Night yeah. Riders was probably a little expensive. Um, and then Dawn of the Dead probably had some money behind it. No, Dawn of the Dead had six hundred and forty thousand dollars. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yeah, this might this might be more expensive than the combined total of all his previous movies. Yeah. Um, uh all right so the wraparound story is about uh billy hopkins a little kid who uh has an abusive father little kid played by joe hill stephen king's son oh what yeah yeah who is now a uh published author in his own right so that's right yeah so uh, he's uh he's done some all right stuff yeah i Um, like him i like him yeah uh did horns which was adapted a little while back oh yeah yeah it's yeah. a bad movie but yeah good for him it was all right for like the first half and then it like falls apart but <laughs> yeah it was one of those who, who directed that was that that one guy yeah a uh, guy i usually like <laughs> yeah it was like an underrated kind of like crazy man of cinema yeah he did but, a crawl didn't he yeah yeah which is a fantastic movie yeah yeah um, and the hills of eyes remake which is like interesting <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like his Hills Have Eyes remake. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fucked up, but it like it should be. So yeah, yeah, exactly. He did a movie called Oxygen like a year ago that I really liked. Oh, I never saw uh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he did well, the Piranha remake, which I think is fun. Yeah, which thought, I think we talked about that recently for some reason. I can't even remember why. Um, we were just desperate for like filmmakers with like potential. High, high tension. High tension. Yeah. Uh, French Extreme movie which is uh, a really good movie until like the last 10 minutes. Yep, everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone hears about that. When you recommend the movie, because I will, I would recommend High Tension. I still want to yeah, talk yeah. about it here, but it's like the ending sucks shit. The ending is so bad, but uh, it is up until that point, it's a pretty solid fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so there's a guy. See, I don't know if he's, hopefully he hasn't injured any stunt people because I would go to bat for him yeah i i would too and, and again crawl is just super fucking fun yeah crawl is just you know it's about as good as that t- although is this ever brought up are the are the uh are the alligators in that movie all fucked up on like meth i think so is that what's because i don't think they ever overtly say it though like I think there, it, it, you get the vibe that there was going to be a reveal that like there was like a meth lab under one of these houses. <laughs> and because that's, you know, it's Florida. No offense. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels like such a thing. And I don't think anyone ever says it. I should go back and watch it. The first story. Well, we got to talk about the fact that the dad fucking hits the kid before we even get to the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fucking yeah. slaps the shit out of reading the comic book. Yeah. It's a little. 
Stephen King has a thing about abusing children. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he seems to really like the idea of being like, fuck this, like, you know, nuclear family shit. Like, families are fucked up. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I think uh, that's some nice counterculture shit that he could, frankly, use more of. In a, he, Stephen King's so weird because he's like, sometimes counterculture, but also, like, does kind of fall on the side of, like, tradition is good, actually. Yeah, like, yeah. But, like, is... th- this specifically is, like, a, th- a through line through a lot of his stuff that I, I always really respond to. He's like, there's a right and wrong way to discipline your child. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, but why get upset about a comic book? But Yeah. Uh, well, I, this dude's know. clearly an asshole. Like, what yeah. does he say? Uh, played that's by the great God, Tommy Atkins. That's why God made fathers. Um, he says something like that. Uh, but he also, like, it's weird to think about that. There was the, uh, we forget that, like, the country like literally just destroyed EC Comics at one point. Like, they straight up just uh, came down on them. You know, really? Had, like, yeah. You don't know that? No, no, I don't. We, we basically like they were held up. Like there were government hearings on comic books, and uh, it was you know like Frederick Wortham. You know that guy, right? Mm-hmm. They wrote Seduction of the Innocent, where he was like a child psychologist who like he he realized every kid he was interviewing read comic books, right? Because mm-hmm. every child in America read comic books. So he concluded that comic books were destroying America's youth. And he got a lot of stuff. He got a lot of uh, things off of it. And that's where the comics code comes through. You know, that's where, mm-hmm. and a big part of it was basically, you can't do any horror comics. Like you couldn't do vampirism or anything satanic at all in comic books. Um, you couldn't you also couldn't portray like police and authority figures in bad ways like there was some straight up orwellian shit in like the comics code authority um, and it basically destroyed ec comics which would be what did like tales from the crypt and all that stuff back in the day mm-hmm. um and there's a great book called like the 10 cent plague um which is a, kind of about the the moral panic around comic books thankfully we don't have moral panics anymore um, oh yeah i was gonna say like it sounds like they thought the comics were destroying the youth and now i would argue that they are but only because of how they're monopolized and controlled by corporations yeah it's almost like the comic book part is irrelevant yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it's and if you read that book there's an incredibly chilling part towards the end of it where they just list all the comic book people that never got work again after ec got shut down jesus christ yeah and it's uh, incredibly depressing. And also, EC Comics, you know, kind of bring it back to George Romero, um, they, you, they, they tend to have a lot of social themes kind of hidden in these goofy horror comics. And in the 50s, we're taking on like shit like, you know, the civil rights movement and we're anti-war and environmentalism. And so maybe the horror element was used as an excuse to shut these guys down in the 50s Hmm. Um, thank god that doesn't happen anymore thank god we're not using the the specter of pornography to shut down free speech related to gender politics Hmm. thankfully that doesn't happen anymore god damn people read a fucking book people like jesus christ like you know this is stuff i casually read like as a teenager you know and i'm just like you could it it, it's you know those who don't learn from history right like yeah but like why why do we never learn like just like you don't have to read that much you really don't you really don't <laughs> like 
I, this was stuff I read casually in my free time. I'm not like an expert on any of this. And even I'm like, I can see the parallels. Ugh. But now share the non-political post joke on Facebook again. It was funny the last time you did it. You fucking halfwits. <laughs> Sorry. Clearly I'm annoyed with people today. No, it's it's fine. Um, it's easy to get annoyed with people uh, yeah. in this world right now. <laughs> also, it's a little sad when like, you know, horror movies were sometimes about things. You know, they used to mm-hmm. be about things. Yeah. Um, and by about things, I mean like social issues and not about your damn wife or some bullshit. Yeah. It's about trauma. It's about trauma, Diego. It's always about trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like true of a lot of stories, but you can't just say it. You have to enact upon it. Yeah. It's almost like every human being in history has experienced trauma. <laughs> it's almost like we're all traumatized by something in our lives. And it's like, man, imagine if trauma was like a spooky monster. <laughs> <laughs> And the spooky trauma monster is going to get you, Diego. <laughs> See, Diego, here's the thing. You can't kill the trauma monster. You got to learn to live with it. You got to learn to got to learn. There was actually a movie very recently that kind of uh, subverted that take that was very mean-spirited, but also kind of enjoyable. Yeah, um, Halloween ends. No, but... Um, <laughs> but trauma, also, yes. Trauma, Diego. See? If I just say trauma, divorced of any anything, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. What if what if I made like a three hour long folk horror movie about how I was a terrible boyfriend? (laughs) Because I'm also into humiliation. (laughs) What if I did that, Diego? Oh, you're talking about Terrifier too. Yes, (laughs) clearly. (laughs) I wasn't being that subtle either. Um, oh, I want to talk about the creep because the creep in the beginning luring the kid to the window. That's mm-hmm. actually I could see you were mentioning that this like scared you as a kid. Like I, I could see that that actually like scaring someone. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, was, that was it's it's honestly it's right when the hand pops out of the grave in the first story was when I started getting scared. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that, a pretty there, shocking image. There is a foreboding feeling of just like you know the music in this is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, just put done by John Harrison. Yeah. Did a lot of Romero stuff and Dune, I guess. Oh, no, he oh, was what? He was, no, he was an executive producer on Dune. How the fuck does that happen? What? He, on the new Dune. No. Yes. What? How does that happen? What? <laughs> maybe, maybe this could just be Wikipedia giving me the wrong information. I what (laughs) he's a pittsburgh guy he's a romero guy because he's in the pittsburgh area Uh uh-huh so i guess that's how he started i mean oh good for him i guess what does executive producer even mean for i don't know because steven spielberg's an executive producer on every transformers movie yeah you know so like it doesn't Mm. doesn't really mean isn't the story with it uh, Men in Black Spielberg literally had nothing to do with. Like he had zero involvement with Men in Black. I think so. They just paid him money just so they could put his name on it for like legitimacy. Like I think the- that's kind of what it comes down to. Like executive producers, like you, you're an executive, you get treated well, very well. You don't really do anything now. Well, executive, I think with Transformers, like uh, 
Spielberg was trying to get the Transformers thing made for a while. Like he actually had a hand in those. Yeah, at least the first one. <laughs> he definitely the first like, one has a, a Spielbergian air to it. Yeah, but he also was like the one who's like Michael Bay is the one to do it. Like yeah. that was him. Yeah, and, you know, so we can thank Spielberg for that. But he saw the vision. Also, executive is sometimes just like I just assume it was someone who at one point was developing the movie. You know. Like they were involved with an earlier version and then because enough of their stuff stayed a part of it that like they just kind of get the executive producer credit. Yeah. It's like Kevin Smith is an executive producer on Google Hunting. And I think the only thing Kevin Smith really did was give the script to uh, the Weinsteins. He was friends with Affleck. Like, so I think that's how he gets an executive producer credit on that movie. Mm. Um, which, you know, hey, not, nothing wrong with that. Uh-huh. But Hollywood's weird. Wouldn't you agree? Hollywood is very weird. But it does have an eerie score. Yeah, start. yeah, very. It was really impressive. I didn't I didn't know it was gonna like sound like this, I guess. Mm. I didn't know what I expected sound-wise, but it wasn't this, and I really liked it. Did you find time to watch Creep Show 2 at all? I did not. Yeah, you don't really need to. Yeah, I was gonna ask, am I um, missing out? Because like um, who 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 did Creep Show 2? It wasn't Romero or it's the it was the cinematographer of this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So does, uh, like, it, it looks good then. No, because they had no money. Oh. Like, that's the thing, is that there's a massive drop in uh, quality. Okay, see, because that's one of the things that I was really taken by with Creepshow also. Like, apart from just being, like, fucking super entertaining and engaging, like, it looks fantastic. It looks fantastic. Like, not yeah. just because of, like, the Giallo-esque, like, neon gels which are like slathered in like every reaction shot with those great backgrounds and stuff like that. But like the design and like the blocking of like yes. sets and stuff like that, like it, it's so comic booky. Like I really always refer to Dawn of the Dead as like kind of comic booky like uh, style, right? Like that's kind of like his big pop uh, attempt at making a movie that way. Yeah. Um, and I mean, then, but this the, is like another level. But also, like Day of the Dead, which I think is his follow up to this. Maybe he does one movie in between this and Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Like Day of the Dead is a fantastic looking movie. Oh no, no, no! It, it it is, it is, and it's got some like neon, like gelatin stuff too. But but I'm it, not even talking I, about I, the neon. It's just like he 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 knew how to compose, you know, a shot. Oh like, no, no, no! Totally, totally. I'm I'm just referring to like De- uh, Dawn of the Dead and uh, Creep Show as like inherently like comic booky. Yeah. in their like shot design and stuff like that and day of the mm-hmm. dead i wouldn't say that but day of the dead is is incredible i think it's another five-star movie like i think what i'm saying is it's just romero was genuinely a good director yes like yeah whereas, you know that's not always true for horror guys no offense to some of them <laughs> um you know you can make great stuff so it's some horror is a genre really where like you could just have a, if you just have a really good idea and maybe aren't like the greatest director you can still make a good movie out of it you know Mm. which is, is a lot rarer for other genres these days yeah you you kind of you have to be a good director to make a good drama you know or, I mean? or or you have to be a very showy director to, yeah you know just cover up the fact that you're not that creative actually mm-hmm. well <laughs> another another reason why i think he's so like talented in the visual department too is like you know a lot of his favorite stuff is like from that golden age of hollywood uh his favorite movie like he's gone on record saying was uh, uh the tales of hoffman the the powell and pressburger yeah. film did you ever see that you know what i haven't but i just got it on uh from criterion <laughs> yeah it is fan 
fantastic. It's an opera. Uh-huh. Uh, it is like so wonderfully designed, so expressive. Uh, one of the most colorful films you'll ever see. And I totally see how the uh, someone who loved the Tales of Hoffman was like, you know what I'm going to do for my comic book inspired film? <laughs> I'm going to take all those colors I loved when I was a kid watching that movie. And I'm going to put them in a different genre entirely. <laughs> he also loved John Ford's The Quiet Man. Uh, I have not seen that one. Another really good movie. I believe the story is not to get too grim, but like, I believe the story is he died listening to the soundtrack of the quiet man. Oh, I think that's what his family said in like the press release, which is like, God damn, that's a fucking love of a movie. Jesus. (laughs) You're going out to that, but uh, wow. It sucks. All the horror guys are dying. Like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll get, we'll get new ones. You know, yeah. and I know there's some maybe that people aren't fans of, but there'll be other ones too. It'll we be- have at least one that's good. <laughs> oh, maybe, oh yeah, we'll we'll maybe, talk about him eventually. Maybe we'll talk about them at some point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so the father threw out the comic book, and the creep shows up, and the kid, the kid's really like, "I hope my father rots in hell." Like, <laughs> and then we get like we get some funny animation. I was just saying that because. There's, a, there's kind of the animated credits here, you know, like mm-hmm. animated in loose terms. The creep is animated, but like the rest are just still images. Yeah. But goddamn creep show too is like they're a massive drop in the animation quality. Oh like, no. So bad. But I will say creep show too, there is one story in the middle of it that everyone kind of talks about called The Raft, um, which is based on a Stephen, which I think is the one because i think the stories in it stephen king kind of wrote the stories for creep show too but then didn't write the script romero writes the script um but the only story in there that was actually based on a previous story was the raft now i don't know if you really need to watch it or if you should just read the raft which is one of stephen king's better stories mm-hmm. um about people stuck on a raft uh and it was also published, I believe it was first published in like Twilight Zone magazine too. Hmm. So uh, that one, and you, but here's something. If you just want, if you want to watch The Raft, go to YouTube right now, <laughs> type in The Raft and you can get the entire segment <laughs> on YouTube divorced from Creepshow too. <laughs> oh, okay. It seems to get uploaded every, every few months. I so. just looked it up. It's about 20 minutes. Yep. There's some black goop. Yeah, it's like a it's like a blob monster. Okay, it's like yeah. uh, it's like venom. It's uh, I wouldn't go that far, but no, no, I, I uh, yeah, I'm just being facetious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, and then someone uh went to the filming location and posted a video about it. There you go, buddy. Yeah, so there are fans. There are fans yeah, so, out there. So, yeah, don't go in there if you fucking watch. Oh the fuck, story. that's right. Red Letter Media did videos on on this and the uh, creep show too. Yeah, yeah. They that's just the next thing it. that pops up. Oh fucking. Every every fucking thing we're doing this year, it's like someone beats us to the punch for like a month or like a week. I'm gonna assume there might not be a ton of overlap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, it's uh, fine. It's fine. All right. The first story is Father's Day. Yes. Uh, this one I remembered because I remember when you first told me to watch Creep Show, you quoted. Where's my cake? Where's my cake, Medelia? And now I get it. And oh my God, uh, I'll get into what I really loved about it, uh, which is all of it, but specifically the design of the the, the weird 
earth zombie thing yes um but what what is the premise of this one matt well this is the premise is there's like it's a family like the whole family kind of does a reunion right mm-hmm. on father's day which is the anniversary of like the patriarch of this family like dying under mysterious circumstances right and by mysterious circumstances i mean he was hit in the head with a cigarette with a cigar ashtray right like he straight up was killed but uh and uh and what Vidalia, who did it um uh, got away with it right and so she always comes up and they go like she goes to the grave and like kind of yells at him and she'll be there and then she'll come back later tonight uh also it's like uh she did it because um her father murdered her husband or something like that do you remember this detail yeah yeah he murdered her husband because she was starting he had basically made her devote her life to taking care of him yeah when she found love with someone like someone she could share her life with he had him killed so she would have to stay trapped with him yeah there's some weird subtext there perhaps yeah there's a lot of words and it's like it's one of those like stephen king like unnecessary but like great details to the story of like this guy made like his fortune off of like bootlegging and shit like that yeah yeah. (laughs) he's like this like real piece of shit and he was murdered essentially because he was he was being real belligerent on father's day because he was expecting his father's day cake that's just a great when they when they take a shot to him and he's like in the family portrait you know yeah and he's like you're all a bunch of dirty vultures (laughs) slapping the cane around like uh it's like a really fucked up version of knives out and i know there are plenty of other stories that have a similar premise but it's exactly what my brain went to with the design of the big house yeah, and exactly. like the autumnal season outside of it with the fog and everything. The stuffed else. animals for no fucking reason. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, I, I should rewatch Knives Out after this. <laughs> um, and he was, he was, Ambithelia was supposed to be making him a cake and instead she came and killed him. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty funny that it's like, oh yeah, like, no, um, I know she killed him. And it's like, I'm not cinema sensing it. I just think it's very funny that it's like, they, they didn't well they all no, say no, no police came through or i think they, they make some comment about her getting off with like you know i mean rich people right like mm-hmm. you, all you say is like oh he fell over and he was old like yeah and who's gonna investigate really like mm-hmm. and so she got away with it but then uh-oh father's day he's back from the dead <laughs> there's not like a lot of like intellectual heft behind this one like, no no it's more just like let's watch a zombie just kill people like yeah which i which was like the perfect one to get me into it too yeah. you know i was the like, thing this... is that it sets the tone like immediately it's mm-hmm. like this is gonna be like really goofy kind of you know but like also it's gonna deliver like here's yeah. the vibe that we're gonna get for the rest of it yeah oh i fucking love the moldy zombie the moldy well, he looks great he's like yeah like you said he's like earth and zombie like it's it's so weird looking but also they give him this great voice oh yeah it's fantastic i uh, think like it's so good um, he's got like this rubble in it too it's like, oh, it's like, yeah. like oh it's, like it's so great it's like the earth is speaking yeah. um, um Fucking Ed Harris is in this. I know. Um, a decade he... later, he's fighting Nick Cage on on Alcatraz. Yeah. 
but this is also i believe he worked with uh romero on uh night riders or whatever yeah so is he film. another so pittsburgh guy then uh, i don't know i think he just like romero was just like because uh they bring it up in the red letter media interview that like they interviewed ed harris for it and he was like yeah i thought it was goofy and i liked romero so i did it like <laughs> and he was like yeah it was a lot of fun like he doesn't really have a ton to say i don't know if there's any more to it but um yeah he gets a fucking uh tombstone dropped on him yeah uh yeah it's like it's like him uh it's the bedelia gets killed he gets killed and the cook gets killed and then the last uh woman um they cut her head off and her head is the cake and they do that uh goofy ending um, oh yeah screaming yeah. and i finally got my cake <laughs> and it fades to the comic book picture where everyone's like ah eek like that's the <laughs> actual <laughs> which is great yeah that's what i I really love too the little comic booky stuff because like when we did like the angley hulk i was like man i wish more stuff took like a, a I must literal have, comic book approach to stuff i must have brought creep show up in that episode i have to i have to imagine you did too i don't remember but yeah. like yeah this, this was i want they, this they i want use, this more <laughs> they use the exact right amount too like mm-hmm. it never yeah. goes too far to being like so like kind of abstract but like they also don't like shy away from it you know it's yeah it's not like one thing where like it happens once would if it happened like only once or twice would be too jarring they i don't know how they found the exact right amount to use it which is honestly very impressive mm-hmm. uh, now we go to our next story the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. this is my favorite <laughs> this one's wild this is my favorite one it was like love at first sight. <laughs> it was so awful <laughs> and sad and depressing. So mean, but like it's silly. so miserable. It's, it's so this is weird. Like Stephen King definitely looks down on like people like this a little bit because it's like yeah. it's just watching this guy, but Stephen King plays him. So what a weird choice. It, and like, I usually kind of, I don't respond well to stuff that's this mean spirited usually. Yeah. And I don't know, it must be just George Romero is just a fucking master of cinema to get me engaged with it. Cause it's so mean and angry <laughs> at this poor dude, poor Jordy Verrill. Yeah. Who cannot I mean, do anything right. Yeah. I mean, it's on like the darkest note imaginable. And it's like, it's, but like, it's, the, this is the funny one too, which is what's so weird. <laughs> like, um, but also like, how did, it, how did King end up playing Jordy Verrill? Like what, what happened there? Cause that's a weird choice. It is. And you know what? And it's not like, I, it's, it's not yeah. Stephen King, you know, like it, this is peak stephen king in terms of quality and peak stephen king at like cocaine so like that's that's the king we're working with here Mm -hmm. i mean i guess peak cocaine might be maximum overdrive though oh yeah it's like i can direct a movie that's some cocaine energy right there yep um but uh wow he gives a good performance too i was gonna say yeah like i i think in the hands of anyone else this caliber of acting we'll call it Mm. like it could be totally (laughs) misguided even though this is comedic i Mm. think that could come across as like what the fuck are you doing 
Mm. And it still does a little bit, but I, I think it totally works with, with this poor chump. Yeah. <laughs> this poor dude who sure. watches a, a meteorite land on, on their, their land, their farm. Yeah. And then they, they start imagining, Jordy starts imagining like all the money he can make him at a full $200. If, if he takes it to the Department of Meteors, I know, he I will know. get, he's like, guy. I'll give you $50, $200. 75. <laughs> like, yeah. And he's like, Dad didn't raid no dummies. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so sad. But he, he, he makes the mistake of fucking touching it. That was his mistake. And then he also, the other move is he goes and gets a, he's like, well, I got to cool it off. It's too hot. It's so, it's so fucked up. It, this is classic Stephen King. I'm like, guy touches the meteor. He shouldn't have touched it. So his fingers are fucked. But then he t- puts his fingers to his mouth, you know, because they burn. And it's like, that's what dooms him. Like right there, he's fucked. Mm-hmm. Like he's never recovering now. Just that like one choice. Yeah. This poor bastard. And then uh, he goes and dumps water on it and it cracks in half. And now he's like, he's like, oh no, like no one's gonna want a broken meteor. <laughs> he's like, two hundred dollars for a broken meteor? <laughs> like, out of your mind? <laughs> what? Oh my god! He's yeah. so he's so depressed. He's like, maybe I can glue it together in the morning. It's, just, <laughs> it's like an earnest adventure. Like, I know. <laughs> the lonesome death of Ernest P. Warren. No. Like, it's just—it's so—it's so ridiculous. It is, but like something I really love too is like uh, the the landscape of the farm. It looks like uh, uh, not quite Spielbergian. It reminds me of like what Tobe Hooper does with his invasion from mars and, and what, yeah. what's the invasion invaders from, from mars invaders, invaders from mars yeah because he does like this great like uh anamorphic landscape with like mm-hmm. the stars in the sky and like the sunset and it looks like very like painterly mm-hmm. like it, it's a great image it totally captures like that autumnal seasonal evening mm-hmm. um and then like the the blue goo from inside the meteor mm-hmm. That makes everything turn to like this weird, yeah. Just it's nature thing. Weeds everywhere. Because I believe the story it's based on was called Weeds. Oh, okay. The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill is a much better title. But yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, it's also like a joke of like like his whole farm is barren, right? Like it's clear mm-hmm. like he's on hard times and like this meteor lands and like it's causing stuff to grow, but it's it's killing him basically. Like it's. Mm-hmm. You know, he starts drinking, and it's basically anything he touches because he touched the meteorite starts growing weeds on it. You know, yeah. And it, so it's like growing all over his body. It's growing all over his house, and we just slowly start watching it take him over, right? Mm-hmm. And there's even a joke where he's like, "Oh no, not there!" because it's like grown onto his penis. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and it's making him itchy, and he's like desperate, but he's like, "Oh, uh, he's like." I got to do something. And then he gets the vision from his deceased father. He's like, don't get in the bathtub. He's like, he's like, but I'm a goner already. Mm. And he gets in. And that's when like, it just grows over his whole body. And Oh, he has the, he has the one other vision of, he's like, Oh no, this stuff's growing on me. I got to go to a hospital. But then he imagines that they're going to want to cut his arm off. Yeah. And he's like, it's the same doctor too, which is great. He's yeah, in the same yeah. office just three times. It always has a skeleton in it. Like, even though the first place is in the Department of Meteors, like, <laughs> just great choices. 
Um, and yeah, then he turns into a plant man by the end of it. Yeah, he looks like fucking swamp thing, the poor son of yeah. a bitch. Yeah. And then he's like, please God, let this be the right choices. He blows his brains off. I know. Like, it's, it's so, so awful. fucked up. It's so dark, but it's like funny. Like <laughs> So mean spirit, and then like of course the last gag is like we see it spreading, like it's all it's gone out to the road, right? Like whatever came in the meteor, and it's like, well, good news, there's gonna be rain all week. Few farmers out there, and it's like, oh no, it's gonna spread. So like this is like an apocalypse story at the end. Yeah, and then it's just that's the note it ends on. I think that's why I like it. I have this weird fascination with like nature overtaking stuff right now. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but like, I, I, it's both horrifying and I'm like, oh, it's kind of like, it, it's really fascinating to me. It's interesting. And it, it's a really like striking visual. Uh, I don't know. We need some more poison ivy action to Batman stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, yeah, I, I really like this one. This is my favorite one, even though it is horrendously like kind of depressing and like, yeah, <laughs> so fucked up. Now. <laughs> Yeah, R.I.P. Jordy Farrell. Um, <laughs> now, how about something to tide you over? That's the name of the next story. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this one was a little long for me. Oh, okay. Um, but I, not, I, I still liked it. I still liked it a lot. Um, I love I love this one just because it's Ted Danson versus Leslie Nielsen. Oh, yeah, yeah. All that stuff is great. It's it, I mean, that's the whole thing, but it, it is Here's the thing. It's good. I think it might be my least favorite. Well, it's weird because this is like the second people coming back from the dead for revenge story. Mm -hmm. And it's the third story. So two out of three so far. Like, it's it's a little, it's a weird uh, note, I guess. Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, But I think it's an incredibly solid story. Uh, The rich guy finds out uh, his wife has been having an affair. Um, with uh I, who is he supposed to be um who's ted dance like what is the relationship to the family um i don't know i i i think he's uh uh the the, the guy who's having the affair uh, yeah he is but like i can't remember like how he like ended up meeting becky like because they, they clearly know each other right Mm-hmm. Like, but anyway, like it's it's all over. He's like, well, look, I'm, I I have Becky. You got to come out to my beach house. Like, get, tricks him out there, and basically tricks him. He like forces him to bury himself alive on the beach, right? Yeah. And videotapes him as he's drowning, which is like that's. It feels like that could have been the story almost. Mm-hmm. But uh, that would have been way too dark to just end on that because we see Becky like begging for her life as she's dying yeah uh his weird uh obsession with like he makes sure he has the tv as well to watch there is kind of a funny note where he uh um comes back when it's all over and you know the tv's gone and he's like probably the the tide probably took it out right Mm -hmm. and it's like well yeah (laughs) (laughs) also even if it hadn't like what are you gonna do with a tv that's been in the in in the ocean yeah yeah like what is he cleaning off he goes back for stuff and starts cleaning something else off some of the other well, stuff he, i think you know he had his tripod and shit out there and like he, i think he just wanted the equipment back basically mm-hmm. i guess the camera was high enough up but like you know hey okay. um yeah. he, the other thing is he videotapes it and basically puts it makes it part of his video collection this is a weird one of guy just being like vcr when have, i guess this is like early 80s so vcrs are kind of new 
Yeah. I guess this is like a newer idea of some guy videotaping someone as they die. Yeah. Again, George Romero, like, and even Stephen King to an extent, like, kind of being ahead of the curve on like what yeah, yeah. weird shit is out there. There's a fun. Leslie Nielsen just gives a great like asshole performance in this. Oh yeah, no, he he's fantastic because I, I mostly know him as a comedy guy. Yeah. So this was a nice change. He had like a whole serious career, and part of the reason he was cast in Airplane was just because he didn't break when they had him saying the comedy lines. That's amazing. Like he plays that he plays that role so like straight faced in Airplane too. Mm. I mean, he's like, yes, I'm a doctor. When he has like this telescope stuff just hanging off of him. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, even as recent as like the the scary movies that he popped up in, like, I mean, the scary movie franchise, yeah, not yeah. you know horror movies. Uh, well, like, I'll never forget his delivery of uh, when he shows up in Scary Movie Three as like the president. He knocks the little girl into the well just by opening the door, and he's yeah. like, uh, well, "Don't worry, or don't forget, we're all counting on you." Yeah, don't say both good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> it's just like it's perfect. <laughs> he was perfect in that. I just remember the one when he's when uh because he's beating up all the people because he thinks they're aliens. Oh yeah. And he's like, Good God, the young ones have metal teeth. Yeah. Jerry's kids, my ass. <laughs> and just starts hitting them. Yeah. Uh, what a those are weird movies. Um, but uh hey, um, so yeah, he, he videotaped them, and guess what? They're back from the dead, and they're like fog zombies. Like, yeah, they, they're all they like seaweed and shit yeah and they get anywhere the fog goes there mm-hmm. is a re- there is one really good jump scare in this when they appear behind him yeah um, at the one moment and that's when he starts like laughing crazy you know mm-hmm. uh, great no- it has a great end note um the i can hold my breath for a long time yeah yeah <laughs> and then it immediately falters the moment the wave hits him yeah <laughs> Um, yeah no it is, it is a good story i just think it's my least like favorite yeah, you know, the one they responded to the least probably if i was ranking it i'd probably do that too but i think they're all good stories yeah yeah it's um, it's rare for an anthology to like yeah, have, to be like, this, this consistent. consistent yeah it's yeah. it's very rare um, yeah like i know the vhs movies are pretty popular again um, yeah those are just there's wild like quality shifts between them like, yeah there, there are some fucking stinkers. there's some real stinkers in them but some are like really good you know mm-hmm. you know we should talk about anthologies a little bit um because i have you watched i mean you haven't there's the new new creep show show right mm-hmm. and i think one of the problems with it is it has that kind of oscillating quality thing they usually do two stories per episode um from what i remember anyway and mm. but the, I think I think the problem with anthologies is they, they always want to do the like different directors thing, right? Right. Like a dip, but like it that, that can like really clash sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the best anthology films, it tends to be when it's the same director doing all of them, you know? Yeah. Like I, I think that's an undervalued element. Um, because you you just there, there's just a noticeable shift, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily bad, but I think you need some sort of consistency. And maybe for the creep show, like because creep show is weird, where it's like two stories an episode, and then two directors for per story. You know, like each story has their own director, and like that, it's just weird. <laughs> like because mm-hmm. it's I, I would imagine like do two stories, but have the director do both of them. You know? Yeah. Like, I feel like you can do, you can do a reset between episodes, but um, yeah. 
No, that, yeah, that's something I thought about too. I'm like, I don't know if you know the story or if anyone listening knows this, but like when Pulp Fiction was first like being written, Tarantino kind of imagined it as an anthology as well. And each segment of the film would be handled by a different director. And yeah. then he eventually did it himself and goes on to win every fucking award known to man. <laughs> and it's like that wouldn't have happened had he gone with different directors. Wasn't Roger Avery going to do one of them? Possibly. Uh, yeah, because he... He basically co-wrote Pulp Fiction and then the Weinsteins talked him into taking a story by credit instead of a screenplay credit mm. um, because th- that way they kind of market Tarantino as like writer, producer, director, actor, you know, like he does it all. Like that was a total marketing decision Yeah, on the part of Pulp Fiction. Um, and I might have caused their, I think they had a rift for a while, but they're currently friends now because they're doing the podcast together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so which thankfully they haven't said anything too insane on it because i haven't heard much from it yeah i feel like if they were like you know here's the thing about palestine like we would have yeah. like heard yeah and thankfully not not uh happening i so think far. it's 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 got something's gotta give one of these days he's gonna... <laughs> I'm, i don't want to i'm not holding out for any positive or negative i'm just gonna take it when it comes <laughs> at least tarantino is usually smart enough to just talk about the movies and not other things you know yeah. Well, there was remember when Tarantino did the uh he showed up at Black Lives Matter though, way back in the day. Like like the early Black Lives Matter one. Oh, good, good. Yeah, because yeah, well, that was he, he spoke openly against police brutality. Well, and yeah. the police were like, We're gonna fucking tank the hateful eight. And it was yeah. like, no, it was it was still a success. Like, yeah. You, you that, don't that was, really matter. That was the weird one when the police tried to boycott his movie, you know. <laughs> and it was just everyone seemed to just forget that one though. That's a weird one to just forget. Yeah. Like, which which is like Super funny because it's like, oh, I'm speaking out against police brutality, and they're like, I'll show you brutality. Yeah, it's like, hmm. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the cop move every time. Oh no, totally. It's, I just think it's, it's like funny. It's like they're so fucking stupid. That's what they think is like a yeah. good. Idea. Well, no, it's it's not that they're stupid. It's just that they know they'll face no consequences. No, maybe that's. It. I mean, that, not evil. to not to be too grim about it, but that's really why cops behave the way they do. Like yeah. it is not incompetence it is just a like you know if you were on a job and you realize like there's no consequence you're going to get the same paycheck at the end of the day would you work hard mm. you know like i'm not saying like you know you would phone it in or something but like you're not gonna it like it it, it changes how you behave right yeah and then and then oh let's say you know i'm not saying that would engender bad behavior but let's say you know there's no consequences, but you do the job correctly. And then, you know, someone isn't, if you try to turn on that guy, then, then you get in trouble. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's ridiculous. I just don't understand, you know, whatever people don't want to defund the police or whatever the fuck. I don't know what people want, but I would, if we're going to have them, shouldn't they at least work? Like, shouldn't they at least be held to standards? Yeah. That we don't, you would think so. You would think it's almost like we just like brutalizing black people um anyway the crate um <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh my god um i should have timed it i should have timed it better because the last story is actually about racism <laughs> so yeah uh but the crate this one's my favorite i think because i love a good monster story yeah um and this one's also a little long um it's the longest longest. it's yeah it's the longest by a good amount okay Um, yeah um if if you watch it on tv it is the one story that has a commercial break in the middle of it (laughs) um so yeah uh there's a lot happening in this one though yeah this 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 one is uh 
a runner-up favorite mm-hmm. for me, I think. Yeah, I really, really like this one. And it, it, I think this one's long too because it's the only one I can think of that has an A story and a B story that meet, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the other ones are very straightforward. This one, you know, the A story, like the janitor, there's a janitor, he goes to flip a coin and it go, it rolls behind, you know, under the basement stairs. And there he, he finds an old crate from the Arctic expedition of 1834, <laughs> which is such a wild detail. Yeah, it's just like, uh, I guess that's just there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, which that's is fine, which is yeah, fine. No, that's the kind of horror, that's the horror shit I love, you know? Like, it really doesn't make any sense, but like, it's what makes it kind of creepy, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Like, it just raises more questions than it answers. Yeah. It, it implies like a bigger narrative, not one that we need yeah. to know, but there's other things happening in the world. And I think it, that provides not just for horror, but like, I think that provides texture for any story you're telling. Yeah. It's something that we're very afraid to do these days. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the other story is Hal Holbrook <laughs> and his wife played by Adrian Barbeau. Um, and he fucking hates his obnoxious wife. <laughs> um, and she is pretty, uh, obnoxious she's emotionally belittling to him mm-hmm. everyone no one seems to like her and he's constantly <laughs> fantasizing about killing her um we get the dream you know where he just shoots her in the head and everyone applauds him <laughs> yeah that was pretty fucking wild <laughs> it was bullseye um yeah wild wild little sequence yeah uh, played by adrian barbeau yep um She's great. Yeah, she's she having a ton fog of fun. like the year before, right? Yeah, this is like her horror run. She's still, I, I, I think she's still with Carpenter at this point. Mm. So she's like in that circle because all those guys knew each other. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So Albert wants to kill his wife. There's a crate with a monster in it. It turns out, <laughs> and the monster just keeps killing people and like apparently is like eating their whole bodies. Because, like, he'll kill them and, like, drag the body into the crate, and then there's nothing left, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just blood everywhere. Because that's the one where the one professor, the, the poor janitor gets it. Yeah. That is a pretty that is a pretty scary moment when it first appears. Mm-hmm. Um, at least when I was a kid, that really scared me. Um, and it's just, like, it's like a pink, mon- it's like a pink ape or something. Or maybe that's just the lighting on it. I think it's, it's the lighting. It's kind of, it looks kind of grayish. Yeah, it's hard to tell what it actually looks like, which is what kind of makes it cooler, too. Like, because mm-hmm. um, it's like a little thing, but also it's got, like, massive teeth. And, like, I don't even know what the fuck it's supposed to be. It's like a monkey thing. Yeah, it looks like, uh, have you ever seen Evolution? Oh yes! Oh yeah, the monkeys. That it attack. looks like the monkey alien things in that a little when bit. That, when that movie like genuinely becomes horrifying for a little bit, like, yeah, it's a scary sequence. Yeah, there, there's good stuff in that movie. Yeah, that's a movie that's like one rewrite away from being like a solid movie. Yeah, yeah, um, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but that felt like what's his name because it was a uh, Ghostbusters guy. Um, Ivan Reitman. Ivan, it felt like Ivan Reitman trying to do Ghostbusters again. Oh, totally, and, totally, but with aliens and, and ghosts. Yeah, and it mostly didn't work. But there's some ideas in there. Oh yeah. Uh, they defeat the uh, alien at the end with head and shoulders. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a twist. Napalm makes it grow. That's a fun. That, that was a fun twist. And yeah. um, But hey, 
uh yeah it kills it kills a bunch of people this monster um and the one professor who looks like the guy from reanimator but it's not him i know i fucking thought it was too i looked I, it up i was like is that the fucking guy it and looks no. just like him but no it was uh it was the other guy <laughs> <laughs> who who is not in reanimator yeah he's been enough you he's one of those guys that you would recognize he popped up in a lot of shit um, yeah but yeah it's so weird the guy looks just like him like it freaked me out a little bit um there's the uh, 40 year old college student that dies, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you can go to college at any age. Yeah. That was the joke it makes. I rewatched Prince of Darkness last night. And I said it's a movie about how it's never too late to go back to college. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just seemed to be a thing in the 80s. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Like, can't get college students? I guess. I don't know. I guess you know you what have... it is. You know what genuinely what it is? Mm hmm. And this is not a positive or a negative. I think people looked older faster in older generations. I, I genuinely mean, believe that. I mean, I guess, but like not like that. I don't know. I don't know. Man. When I was in middle school or elementary school, I saw eighth graders and I thought they were in fucking college. Now, some of that might just be like, you know, the passage of time operating differently through my eyes at a young age. Well, no, that is 100% what it is. Um, but you remember, like, I remember being in kindergarten and thinking fourth graders were like adults. Like, <laughs> and like, that's ridiculous. But like, when you're younger, that's how you perceive things, you know? Yes, that's also true. Anyone older than you is like ancient. Yeah, but 20 level. year olds, like in the 50s, looked like they were fucking 40 like now i like, guess i mean like the depression sure but i don't i don't know there's still a little bit like they don't look they don't look old because the times have been hard they look old because their metabolism isn't working like it used to maybe <laughs> no offense to these people like <laughs> that's just that's just what happens <laughs> um, but yeah well doesn't matter he dies no, he's dead <laughs> He's dead. Um, he gets eaten. Yeah, he shouldn't have uh, gotten close. He got too close. Uh, I like the the shoe. Uh, like has like comical bite marks on it almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so then the guy, the the last last man standing, that professor goes to his friend Hal Holbrook to be like, "You got to help me. Like something's going on here. You got to do something about this crate." And Hal Holbrook sees it as the perfect opportunity to finally kill his wife. <laughs> <laughs> what a wild plot i know it, it's this is pretty fucking up too yeah yeah like not that she's one. a great person but like feeding her to a monster is pretty pretty yeah. fucked up no 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 but uh it is the sort of like twisted humor of like ec comics you know mm. um although it's weird is i like this is where you wonder how ec's reputation is like ec has that reputation of being like socially conscious horror you know like they were kind of playing with a lot of different themes and some of it was like really overt but i think in retrospect that's how we see a lot of it because like, ec horror is also the one where it's like there's this story it's the first tales of the crypt story where the woman murders her husband right mm -hmm. but then there's also a guy dressed as santa who's a psychopath on the loose and he's like attacking her house she can't call the police because she's just killed her husband and like that's what most of those stories are you know <laughs> and this falls exactly in that kind of place of just like one of those type of stories 
Um, you should read some of those EC comics, man. They're fun. I should. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, there's a uh, plenty of websites where you can go read old comics for mm. no money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who owns them now. I don't know who owns the EC imprints because they did a bunch of, uh, uh, hardcover releases a few years back one of which i believe had an introduction by stephen king oh uh, okay that's cool yeah. i believe those probably go for like a hundred dollars these days though yeah i mean that's the thing you were talking about how hard it was to get a hold of creep show until fairly recently like it's harder to get like a hold of all these old things like at any yeah. point anymore you know without yeah. spending hundreds if not thousands of dollars on well god damn i wanted to get the old savage sort of conan paperbacks the comic marvel did mm-hmm. and these are not like you know the comic was published in color but they did them as black and white paperbacks which was supposed to be like the cheap alternative you know they yeah. went for like 20 bucks new back in the day they are like upwards of $60 each now. Like, Jesus. yeah. So it's one of those where it's like, it's going to take like a lifetime for me to get all these. <sighs> and, and like, these are the, these are the cheap alternative or the black and white alternative. And that's what you have to put up with. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Comics are weird too. Like, I, I don't know what it is about. It feels like those should be much more readily available in the digital age. Than yeah. They are, but Hey, there are other options. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah he also uh there is the professor who was like hitting on college students earlier you remember that right oh, remember yeah. that? and like that's the excuse he uses to get uh uh adrian barbeau to show up mm-hmm. he's like look there's a girl she won't come out because she's all upset because she was assaulted by my best friend like what a fucked up plot like, yeah wow um yeah she don't she don't make it no and then uh, Al Holbrook, I was like, "Well, don't worry, I dumped it into the quarry." Like, oh yeah, yeah, he dumps there. the monster in the crate, and like it's like a seventy foot drop. He says, "Yeah," right? and he's like, "Yeah, they'll, they'll never get it out of there." And then, of course, the last shot is it breaking through the crate and getting That's out. That's a great last image. Yeah, yeah, I love that that image. I was like, "Oh, I got really pumped up from that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's not like a. A viscerally exciting story in that way but that last image i'm like oh that's a great monster shot mm-hmm. like i kind of wish george romero did a had done a straight monster movie at some point like that yeah. well then he, he had a bigfoot movie he tried to get made yeah well his uh, wife has said like there's like fucking 70s plus scripts that he wrote that are just sitting yeah it's all no his, one uh, wants to make yeah his archive in like pittsburgh i believe yeah, and I'm like, I'll fucking drive over there and make one of those if you let me. Like, oh well, my here's, god. Here's the thing. Like, it's one of those, like, unfortunately, like I love that that archive exists, but it's also like I kind of don't want anyone but Romero to make it, you know? Like Yeah, yeah. No, I don't I, I want, see what you mean. It's like I could go and like maybe pitch like doing it, but it's like I want Romero's Bigfoot movie. I don't want my take on Romero's Bigfoot movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. But hey, yeah, God bless you, George Romero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all right now we get to the last story they're creeping up on you yeah this is the one that made it onto bravo's 100 scariest movie moments yep because it's, it's good, the grossest fucking thing ever it's wild oh um, it's, it's so awful it, it's very awful and off-putting yeah i was totally but, fine with all the the weeds growing on stephen king this is <laughs> like deeply upsetting and <laughs> and i want to light myself on fire <laughs> we got the great eg marshall as Upson Pratt, what a great name! It's Chris Pratt's father. 
Oh God, you're right. <laughs> this yeah. is the origin story. No wonder he's fucked up. This is the, the oh. origin story of the Mario brother. Oh my God. How about those Mario movies? I'm sure it'll make a lot of money. I'm the most bad. How come every other country got a guy that sounded like Mario, though? I'm going to go to France to watch the French Mario. I know. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, damn. It's one of those ones where, like, I feel like fans are going to release, like, a fan edit that just takes out Chris Pratt's voice. Oh, 100%. Because you can find guys online who, like, can do a Mario impression, you know? Yeah, it's uh, not that hard. Yeah, you could have paid him scale too. <laughs> All right, uh, what what's ups and Pratt's deal? Well, this whole thing he's like he's uh, it's beyond germophobia. I don't know what it's called, but he's like he's he's living in like a hermetically sealed penthouse, um, at the top of this place, and he hates he especially hates bugs. The opening is him killing a roach with bug spray, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's no bug should even be able to get in here. I've perfectly sealed this place up. And uh, he uh, he's doing a hostile takeover of another company. And uh, the guy who owned it uh, killed himself um, when he realized that it was going to happen. And the wife calls him, is like yelling at him and shit. I hope you die. It was a pretty fucked up line where he's like, I was like, uh, she told me you gave you my number. <laughs> I'm going to fire them. And she's like, it was in my husband's book, you asshole. And he's like, well, I can't fire him, can I? It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, we get a voice cameo by uh, Ned Beatty, of all people. Oh, what? Yeah, I believe he's the guy that calls up. One of the guys on the phone, he's either the guy who's like, look, the whole city, I, I can't remember if he's the guy who... Uh, which one is he? Um, he's either the building superintendent or he's the guy who, it, all right, no, no, he's not the superintendent. The superintendent is the guy who's like in at Disney, right? Mm-hmm. I believe he's the other guy he calls who he's like, I got bugs. And he's like, we all got bugs, buddy. There's a power outage. And he's like, no, I got cockroaches. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's Ned Beatty's voice for like two seconds. Oh, good uh, for him. Yeah. Weird how that happened yeah uh i wonder what that's about um yeah also uh upson pratt is racist because he's a uh, belligerent to the handyman mr white mm-hmm. it was it was a, a black man and he, he he does say says some stuff to him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and but mr white seems to enjoy antagonizing him yeah. <laughs> it's like even if mr pratt like <laughs> he's like totally like he's like well if you think i'm if you think i'm fucking that i'm just gonna act that way <laughs> and the only time he ever gets serious is when he gets stuck in the elevator when the power goes out. he's like i'm in the damn elevator mr pratt <laughs> but yeah like there's power edges happening all over the city but also cockroaches are attacking him mm-hmm. and they are everywhere they are in everything it's uh, disgusting mm-hmm. cockroaches are maybe the worst animal on planet earth i think they got like hissing cockroaches too some from big suckers they said that what they would literally do for the movie is they got like all these cockroaches right Mm -hmm. like they would go like you would have to dig in like bat shit in a cave turn the light off for like five minutes turn it back on and suddenly there were just cockroaches all over it jesus like and they would just scoop them out and then they would come and they would just dump buckets of them 
onto the set and within like a minute they were all inside everything oh yeah (laughs) so uh yeah and they're just they're just attacking him they're in his food we see him getting his food at one point it's like you don't understand this is ups and prat the ups and prat uh and uh yeah um they end up getting inside of everything including ups and prat Mm -hmm. so take it away (laughs) uh well uh, doesn't he have a heart attack too well yeah he ends up in the room like he goes and he's like well fuck it i'm going in like he's like i know i have one last room where i can go to that is completely sealed and someone's gonna get fired over this like he's yelling and shit and then he gets one more call from that lady who's like i hope you die i hope you die and that's when he flips open the uh the seat cover and there's roaches just completely under the seat right Mm -hmm. and they're everywhere and that like he has a heart attack he falls over but then um we cut cut away and suddenly all the lights are on there's no cockroaches and then they just come pouring out of ups and crap oh it's so gross the effects are fantastic as they like tear through his flesh yeah and then they start taking over the room again but like oh well they just flood that one room now and and they did it's so perfect because it's like they're, they're not just flooding the room, they're leaving the perfect outline of his body mm-hmm. in, as it rises up. And this guy just being like, talk to me, Mr. Pratt. Ah, 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 like laughing at him as he's dead. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I, good. Fuck that guy. But it's so gross. It's so awful. And I mean, and it is this guy's like, it's a, you know, it's playing with this guy. He's like, he's a germaphobe, but he's also racist. Like, the, it's kind of a metaphor for like his racism, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not the cleanest metaphor, no, but no. Uh, it's his fear of bugs is his fear of minorities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And well, guess what? You can't stop progress, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Like if anyone's going to go out that way, it's good that it's a racist piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that was the one guy that like really deserved it, I guess, of all these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but hey. Yeah, and then we wrap up with the epilogue uh, where we come back to the, the story of the little kid being abused by his dad. And We get a um, Tom Savini cameo. Yeah, Tom Savini. Did I tell you I met Tom Savini? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting encounter. <laughs> interesting guy. Uh, I, I got my fill. I think he's 75 now, correct? Like, he's older. Yeah, he, he's an older guy. He's and an he, can't, he can't really do VFX anymore. No, no, he has he has his workshop where he has his protégés kind of yeah taking care I think, of that. I saw him in an interview where he's like now his like hands tremble too much, mm. like, just can't do it. Which is understand. I mean, the guy yeah seventy five. That's fucking yeah, that's up the there time to retire. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, at least someone's still doing it. That's really all that matters. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's it's, cool. It feels like every year there's less and less people mm-hmm. doing that kind of stuff, uh, which yeah. is unfortunate. But yeah, we get a cameo by him. And they find the comic book that got thrown in the trash and they're kind of going through it and making fun of it. And, you know, they're like, oh, x-ray goggles. That's uh. like, oh, a voodoo doll. But someone already ordered that one. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> turns out fucking Stephen King's kid ordered one <laughs> and is fucking torturing his father now. <laughs> and that's how it ends. Yep. And everyone lived happily ever after. Yeah, except Upson Pratt, who got killed by the bugs. Oh, yeah, fuck him, though. <laughs> and Tom Atkins, I guess, because uh, yeah. now he's fucking getting tortured by his kid. Yeah. 
Hey, don't throw out the comic book, man. <laughs> what do you say? Donate your kids, man. <laughs> no, don't throw out the comic book. <laughs> that thing's gonna be worth something someday, you idiot. <laughs> There's now the, the market value of comic books. Yeah, is Tom Atkins still with us? He is, huh? Yes, he is. He's very old, but yeah, he's, he's still eighty-six, he's still, and he's still like popping up in horror movies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. He, and he also he does a lot of like he does horror conventions all the time now, mm-hmm. and he's he seems like he's a pretty chill guy. He seems to be very happy with the fact that like he's now known as just a horror guy, and like he never did like any of the like amazing horror movies, you know, like they're like mainstream ones, but he's done like all the really fun kind of b-level ones yeah i was know? gonna say he's done halloween three which i would say is amazing no, and no he- like i i love those movies he's in the fog i love the fog but they're not like the ones that like when people like go a cl- like a classic of the, you know it's not a top yeah one, yeah hundred or but he's he's safely carved out like a b-movie level mm-hmm. have you I, ever seen the ninth configuration no i haven't I've i haven't either though. I've yes. heard it's like amazing. I've, it's on my list. I just yeah, that's the William Peter Blatty movie. I only yeah, bring it up because you know we bring up Exorcist stuff earlier and all that jazz. But also known um, as the alternate title, uh, Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. Is that real? Are you just no? That's real. That's a real. Uh, I don't know why um, it was released in different ways. Um, it looks like it was the same people who released Dawn of the Dead. So that might be a part of it, like mm. that they, whoever owns the rights, uh, kind of influenced how it got released. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, I guess the novel was called Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane, but no. All right. No. All right. There's the novel, The Ninth, Ninth Configuration, which itself was a reworking of an earlier novel called Twinkle Twinkle Killer Kane. Who knows? Mm. That's just nothing makes sense. <laughs> None of it makes sense. Oh, um, it uh, the ninth configuration is the second installment in Blatty's Faith trilogy after The Exorcist, and closes out with The Exorcist Three. Yep. Not The Exorcist Two, mind you. The ninth configuration. <laughs> That's I believe, very funny. I believe what it means by Faith trilogy, though, are the books of like oh, okay. the Exorcist book. Uh, ninth configuration and then legion which is exorcist three mm. so um, hey yeah poor exorcist two. No, oh, it doesn't it doesn't stand a chance poor john borman you lying bastard <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah john borman not quite george romero yeah no you know what's weird is that borman is still around making movies and what like, yeah like 89 what yeah all right so this movie's 2014 but still like what hold up i'm i'm like what i i thought he was dead now no, no. that's not true i brought him up on the on the the zardoz episode yeah that's we talked right. about zardoz but he's like still around it's like writing apparently uh, you know what? Good for him, but that's like, fucking wild. But it's just weird that like no one cares. Yeah, there's no one really clamoring for another John Borman picture. I'm clamoring now. I don't know if I am. Well, I just anybody well, I have, that's still going seen, that at that stage of their life is worth commending. I think I have seen zero late era John Borman though. Um, 
So who knows? Yeah, Maybe same. He might still have it. Yeah, it'd be funny if he was like, oh, actually, his stuff after Excalibur was really good. Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be like Paul Verhoeven, where Verhoeven's just been like quietly making movies in Europe, you know? Yeah, and everyone who yeah. sees him is like, oh, no, he still got it. Yeah, he still got it. He didn't <laughs> lose it. Like, he just Hollywood got tired of him, mm-hmm. which, you know, happens. But he's also said that, like, he doesn't have anything, like, budget-wise that he wants to do in Hollywood, except for, like, his Jesus story yeah uh verhoven i'm referring to like have you have you read his his uh i have Jesus not read his, i have not i'll it's read terrific. it at some point okay. yeah it's terrific who's doing the jesus movie right now oh yeah terrence malick isn't malick doing a jesus film oh maybe that could be something and like it's got like a weird title um the way of the wind retells and chronicles several episodes of the in the life of jesus christ Mark Rylance is playing Satan. So that sounds like it's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Um, So looking forward to that. Yeah. (laughs) Has nothing to do with uh, Creepshow, but. No, Creepshow is great. I'm glad I finally saw it. Uh, This is, this is a great like Halloween movie too. Yeah. I'm glad it paid off because you never know sometimes when you hype a movie up that much. If it was like one of those you had to be there type movies, mm-hmm. but I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, and uh, it's so weird. It was a hit, and then the studio was like, "Well, we're not going to support a sequel, really. Like, we'll, we'll do a cheap sequel." Yeah, that's that is strange. But the the industry, as we're learning, never really made any sense. Yeah, it really, yeah, it really didn't. At least it had more happy accidents back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's a little too controlled for those happy accidents, mm-hmm. but. Once the next like wave of counterculture happens, it'll get interesting again. Yes, I'm sure that wave of counterculture will come any day now. <laughs> Maybe a wave is the wrong way of putting it, but it it, it always happens. We've it will find, always happen. We got to find out where it's happening though. Like that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I was reading a good article about how the internet used to be counterculture. You know, like that's mm-hmm. where it was, and now it's not, but they still think it is. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever. Whatever creep show creep is show. proper culture. That's what it is. Yeah. Go check it out if you can find it anywhere. Um, it might be on Shutter. Yeah, Shutter maybe I rented show. it. I rented it and it looked fantastic on my TV. Mm-hmm. I, I believe Shout Factory put out a new version at some point. So that might explain it. Um, Shout Factory does actually do like you know decent Blu-ray releases. Mm. Um, yes, they do. Even though their covers are terrible. Their covers are so bad. Their covers no are so bad. This. I have to wait until, you know, like they have those collector's edition covers where I don't know what it is. It's like the slip cover on top of it. Mm-hmm. But then at, when they run out of those, they just sell the case. Yeah. And those at least have the reversible covers. So I have to like wait until it's a reversible <laughs> cover before I can buy the movie. Uh-oh. I think I talked about it before, but I should, I should just like design my own. <laughs> I have photoshop and indesign i'll just design my own covers if i'm unhappy with the shit that i get sent you know? i've always thought about doing that with uh the godzilla movies because there's no like consistency with the godzilla movies really mm-hmm. like they're all over the map in terms of their cases because they're owned by different companies in america yeah so i just thought of like making my own because <laughs> why not yeah it looks like you can rent creep show pretty much anywhere 
Um, but that's about it. Oh, a- anywhere that's about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm like it's not streaming, you know, in case you, oh, have, okay, okay. In case you have shutter or something. No, oh, okay. Um, which you should. Shutter's great. Yeah. Um, if you don't have shutter, what are you doing? Um, I'm stretching because I've been up for like seven hours. Why have you been up that long? Uh, I like to get an early start of my day. I like to do most of my writing in the morning or late at night. Do you? Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, but how about I that not... silent? How about the new Silent Hill they're making? Oh, I'm really excited about that. I'm not joking. Yeah. I am talking about the movie, not the game. <laughs> I don't know about the game. <laughs> I like that movie, so I'm excited for that director to come back and do another one. That first movie was also written by Roger Avery. I know. Yeah. Okay, uh, but here's the thing. So we're not doing a real like franchise retrospective for Halloween. We are, however, doing a Jordan Peele retrospective. Yeah, and by retrospective, one episode where we talk about all his movies. Yeah, so it's going to be like <laughs> 10 hours long. long. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so is what pe- a- which is what the people have just been clamoring for. Yeah, so buckle up, motherfuckers, because we're talking about Get Out, Us, and Nope. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have talked about Get Out. Some people have talked about us, and I still feel like there's plenty of ground to cover with Nope, frankly. Not yeah, that with people are not movies. talking about it, but like, there's, there's a lot to talk about. I think there's still a lot for all those movies, honestly. So. Yeah, I'm very excited when we record in like a couple days. Yes. I have, uh, I. I have been re-watching all three of them and uh, there's a lot and it's going gonna, it's gonna to break my brain. I will be like spent after, <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to get to it. Uh, that episode will be released on Halloween. This one is kind of going to be released like the day after we record it. So yep, <laughs> you're welcome, people. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> Until then, Matt... Thank you for joining me. Thank you for getting me to watch Creep Show after all these years. Yep. Where can the people find you? I'm at Emperor OTN1 at twitter.com. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. You won't get early access to anything right now. I'll write about something. I'll, I'm not going to leave you hanging if you're if you're a Patreon supporter. So just uh, hang in there. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, like and subscribe if you didn't like this. Like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. All right, take care. Uh, we have been professionally unprofessional. You'll scream, <laughs> ghastly ghouls, cringe at weird kids, and shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Merrill. Creep show will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show, the most fun you'll ever have being scared.